Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 23 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm an author, blogger, and virtual assistant. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 for 7 years. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 4 of This is Type 1. Today, we're talking with my sister, Karen Walker, about what it's like for her growing up with a diabetic sibling. But first, it's time for our wins and fails of the week. So I am up with a win of the week. So it's hit or miss with Dexcom G6 sensor restarts. Case in point, the last one I had on only gave me about an hour of usable data before it crapped out with three calibration errors. Mm -hmm. But the one that I just went through lasted for nine and a half days through the restart. So that was almost 20 days on one sensor. And that was just, yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) That is the way way you end up with uh, backups. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. I'm excited about that. Yeah, you should be. I could never get that with the C- the CGM I'm on. Really? Yeah. No, It once it like kind of dies, it dies and it needs to be like recharged. It's recharging right now, actually. Okay. So that's interesting that Medtronic doesn't let you restart it. I mean, I've heard of ways where you could restart it, but for me, it's just never worked out when we you know, started wearing the CGMs and stuff. So I haven't tried it in a couple of years, but from my past experiences, it just doesn't work out for me that well. That's too bad. Well, you are up with a fail. So you want to tell us about that? I am. So I recently got back from traveling long distance from Southern California. So I was sleeping in from, you know, getting back and it was this past Saturday and so I fell asleep and I was I was totally into like not getting up at all. So I fell asleep and around 6:30 my patch fell off. Now I was so out of it. I didn't even like realize that it was off. Like apparently it fell off and I just was not having it. So I just put it aside and then when I woke up finally, like around eight or so, I was like fully understanding what was happening. So I got up, I, I changed it out and I tested my blood sugar to start off my day. And so it was 340. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I put in for it right there, but I tested later. I was still 300. And the rest of the day I was high up until like a little bit after dinner. And I had to change out my site again just to get it to like work properly. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, but I mean, I gave a little shot of the insulin, so it kind of kickstarted it into like that downhill. Yeah. Type, but like, let's get this down. So no, it worked out fine. I mean, I was just, you know, bad blood sugar day. When you know your site fell off, go change it out. It's not worth the blood sugar mishap. It's not worth just rolling back over and being like, nope, I can do it later. No, because you could always fall back to sleep, but your blood sugars might last all day. That is a true statement. All right. So this week I've got the hack. So with Medtronic Meosets, they get shipped at home. And when we get them, they come in the box with all of the Meos. It also comes with the colored part of the 
infusion set floating around in, like, its own little separate bag. Most people don't understand that these are actually, like, caps for when you disconnect for, like, showering or swimming in the lakes and everything. So this summer I've been using them quite frequently. Nice. And, yeah, I know. It's it, it's a way to keep the um, infusion set clean and make sure your body is, like, staying safe and, you know, not getting infected or anything. So I use them when I go swimming in non-clean water, meaning oceans, lakes, rivers. I don't use them for showering just because it's clean and it's only like a five-minute type of like in and out type of thing. Nice. Yeah. So that's my hack for the week. Thank you. And unfortunately, Jesse has to go uh, do some other things right now. So I will be continuing the rest of this episode with my sister. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah. Of course. Thank See you. you guys later. Bye. All right. So let's dive into sibling perspectives with Karen. Karen, thank you for being our first guest. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, why don't you give our listeners a taste of who you are, uh, what you do, and your relationship with type 1 diabetes? Well, I'm a single mom of a seven-year-old, almost seven-year-old, and I'm 28. I work at a law firm in Port Orchard as a paralegal. And my little sister that everyone's listening to is the one with diabetes. <laughs> so how do you feel type 1 diabetes most shaped your life, even though you weren't the one diagnosed with it? Um, mostly with food. Really? Like, Well, I mean, we couldn't have anything that was really sugary. We couldn't have, we had powdered milk. <laughs> we had really, like, weird, bland food because obviously mom and dad didn't know how to really control it at that point or you didn't know how to do that either so we just had really bizarre food actually that's really up. interesting because I don't remember any of that I mean we had homemade tortillas from Girl Scout recipes that I, I ate know, in college and that was like 100 you, carbs you were also well I, I'm talking about like right when you were two so I was four. Oh, okay so right. I already I remember like starting out and that's what it was like and it was oh. horrifying as a four-year-old yeah I was traumatized <laughs> like, why does Billy get a fruit roll-up in his lunch and I get a apple like it was just you know for a kid it's not very fun true what was the most confusing thing about it well I mean growing up with it it's not very confusing it was just in the beginning kind of not knowing what was wrong with you because obviously you were acting very weird and I remember that I remember you being very lethargic and you wouldn't play with me and I remember that was bizarre huh. and then they got the diagnosis I've never heard that before mm -hmm. it's interesting that you were you noticed that as a four-year-old you're like why wouldn't you play with me well yeah I wanted to beat you up and you wouldn't let me so it was like <laughs> I was very annoyed <laughs> that seems like such typical sibling behavior coming from you <laughs> well yeah <laughs> that's my job as the older sibling that's fair so that memory obviously sticks out, but what are some other ones that really kind of come to mind? Coming downstairs and seeing mom changing your catheter. My sight? Yeah, on your butt. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was fun. I remember that. And then whenever the two seizures that you had really stick out to me. Because the first one, I don't even remember how old I was, but I had to call 911 because you were having a diabetic seizure and mom was panicking. Dad wasn't there. And I couldn't have been more than 10 at that point. Well, both of them were in 2002. The first one must have been before we went to Australia, because the second one then yeah. was in Australia. Yeah, the first one was home. So okay. I, had, I was, what, 11 then? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was 11, and then the one in Australia, obviously. But they had the pen, I think, at that point. So. Oh, the, the glucagon, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have to call 911 for that, just, you know, that time. But it was still scary. Well, what I remember from that is that we both got teddy bears out of that ordeal. Oh, that's true. We did. Yeah. Now I remember that. Yeah, the fire department came with uh, teddy bears, and I think mine had, like, red flannel on it. When they came to the house mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I was still, I don't know. I was so traumatized. I probably don't remember anything. I don't even remember the seizures themselves. I just remember the recovery. Well, you were sleeping. Right. Yeah. It's not like you were exercising or something and then just fell over and you were sleeping and then we found you like that. I think that's back then the seizures happened because I didn't have a really good feeling for when I was going to go low. You absolutely did not. Are you serious? You were awful. Hypo unawareness. I had that Uh, major. Yeah, I really wish that I'd had a sensor back then. Mom probably does, too. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from diabetes or growing up around it? I think probably because that it's a bigger deal than people think it is. Like everyone makes jokes kind of about it. Like, oh, do you know, don't eat that cake. You're going to get diabetes. Like it's a whole lot more than that. And it's actually pretty deadly. And people don't understand that. And yeah, there needs to be a whole lot more awareness about it. Yeah, I totally agree. And that makes me testy when I see those jokes because people think it's funny and it's really not. Especially on Facebook when it's from family members. Yeah. It's like, you should be more aware of this. <laughs> She's had this for what, 24, 25 years. Like, come on now. 23 right now. Coming up on 24. Oh, I don't even know how old you are. Whoops. Nice. <laughs> you're always, you're always going to be 16 to me and you know that. So whatever. I know, but that is just terrible. Why? Because I'm 26. I just got kicked off dad's insurance. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Welcome to the club. I know. <laughs> I'm so lucky, though, that we had dad's insurance. Yeah. Yeah, we are. You were, especially. There's a lot of talk about uh, the death sentence at 26 for type ones right now, because once they're off their parents' insurance and they don't have like corporate insurance from a job, they're screwed. Yeah, that's true. It makes me mad. So moving on on our questions, um, what still baffles you about type 1 diabetes? I kind of wish they would have had done, be able to have more research done at this point, like, and figure out a way to actually, like, not cure it in per se, but manage it better than you do. Like, I don't know, some, like, thing that goes in your pancreas itself that just, like... Oh, like a pancreas I don't transplant? Know. I, don't, I don't know, something like that. You'd think that with how they're doing medically in other areas, they would have had more progress in this That's- particular area. That's a really good point, because I've heard that the, all of the research money is going into cancer and HIV. And so they're like, we don't need to do any research on type 1 diabetes because cancer and HIV are the big ones. But, but type 1 is becoming a bigger problem. Yeah. And there's just I don't know. It's weird to me. You'd think that because when you first started with diabetes at two, you were giving yourself shots. Yeah. And you, even now you still have to use a needle in yeah. some respect. And it's been 20 plus years. And to me, yep. that's a little ridiculous. There should have been some more progress to this point with it. That's kind of why I want to get into more advocacy and try to push that along. There's like pancreas transplant procedures and islet cell therapy. For newly diagnosed people, there's a push to do more islet cell therapy or some kind so that their islet cells can last longer. And that way they stay in the honeymoon phase longer. Well, hopefully in the next few years, they really start doing more research and putting more effort into it. That would be nice, but I mean, they've been telling us cure is five years away for the last 50 years, so huh. I don't I don't have much hope. 
No, so keep plugging along, I guess. Yep. So a question Jesse had for you, um, she wanted to know, do you wish that you had done anything differently when it came to dealing with me as a type one sibling? I mean, sometimes I wish I wasn't such a (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) at the same time, who's to say that I wouldn't have been like that anyway, even if you didn't have it because you were my little sister and you were, you know, we fought, obviously. Obviously. But there are some times where I did feel bad because I was a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I'll take that as a belated apology right now. I don't mean it. No, I don't mean it. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we cleared that up. Uh, Do you have any advice for kids and teens with siblings who have type 1? Probably, especially in the beginning, when, you know, the parents are really spending all their time on that particular kid, to understand that it's not because they're getting special treatment. It's because they need to have that attention. You know, and it's not anything towards the other kids. It's just how it is. And then for parents to really make the other kids understand what's going on and still take them out by themselves and have special time with them so that they all feel like they're special and included. and They're not being excluded because this one kid, you know, has a condition that needs extra attention. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a good that's a good piece of advice. Thank you. Yeah. And that's actually the end of my list of questions. So if listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place to find you? Probably Facebook. And how would they find you on Facebook? Karen Walker. <laughs> I, I, it's the most common name in the world. But That's true. What about I your am, Instagram handle? It's PNWRAIN, R-A-I-N. Okay. That would probably be better for people to find you since that's a unique handle. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so now it is time for a question of the week for our audience. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from knowing someone with type 1 diabetes? We're really interested to know because this is advice that we could give out to the people who listen to this podcast. And that's it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to Karen Walker for coming on as our guest, our first guest. And remember, you can find her on Instagram at PNWRain. Or if you can find her amongst all the other Karen Walkers on Facebook, she's there too. You can find the show notes at www.inspiredforward.com slash episode four. That's the number four. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. Our music is by Joseph McDade and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. I'm on all social media as at inspired forward. And our email is Colleen at inspiredforward.com. Jessie, while she hasn't been on the rest of this episode with us, is on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send her and me your questions or comments. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a rating or review on iTunes, since that helps other people find us. And be sure to listen in next week when we talk about the differences between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, a topic that confuses more people than it should. Until then, keep it real. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.